This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. For the last several weeks, it's been connecting or reconnecting with the Holy Spirit. That's been our overall theme. The topic I have been allocated for tonight is part of that, walking in the Spirit like Jesus. Uh, I've just got to remember to click on this. Ah, there we go. So that's what we're looking at tonight. Now, you all know how to walk. Um, you learned it a long time ago when you were quite young. And most of you are pretty good at walking. Uh, walking around the shopping centre or walking along the beach, um, walking along a hiking route, you know, a longer walk, um, walking across the road from one side to the other. Now, that might like, sound like a segue into a why did the chicken cross the road joke. That, that would be a good spot, wouldn't it, to put in a, a joke about why did the chicken cross... You're going to have to wait a bit longer, though, because it fits in better later. You know about physical walking, but what about spiritual walking, walking in the spirit, because that's our topic for tonight. Um, do you, do you know what it is? If somebody asks you what, it, what is walking in the spirit, could you explain it to them simply? Um, how do you do it? And I guess more importantly, are you doing it? Are you walking in the spirit? Now, uh, it's not really a phrase that we find very often in the Bible. Um, just a few times. But nonetheless, it's a very important idea and a very important concept. Uh, there are lots of other phrases, actually, that mean basically the same thing. I've, I've jotted down a few of them here. Um, uh, walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, be guided by the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, let the Spirit direct you. I think, basically, they all mean the same thing, and that, that could have been the title for tonight, but we've just chosen... Uh, walking in the spirit. Now, there's probably some subtle differences between those expressions, but mostly I think they mean the same thing. They mean living the way that God wants us to live, uh, being conscious of God's presence with us through his Holy Spirit and following the Holy Spirit's leading. I, I, think, I think that's what walking in the spirit is all about. Now, one well-known passage where we do find the expression walk in the spirit, and we find it a couple of times uh, in this passage, is at the end of Galatians 5, where Paul talks about the fruit of the spirit. Now, I told you it was a well-known passage. I know you all know it well uh, because we've preached on it here during our series so far. I know it was a theme at BAM camp. I know that you've looked at it on Friday. In fact, last Sunday night there was a song about the fruit of the Spirit that came from Friday nights, the youth group. Fantastic song. So I know you know the passage, so I'm not even going to read it, but um, I'll put this just this first verse up, and I'll put it in two translations. Um, but I say, walk by the Spirit, in that particular case, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, what's the flesh? Well, maybe this other version helps us. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. 
then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Uh, now, if that still doesn't quite make sense, what's the flesh, what's our sinful nature, have a look at Johnny's Bible study. On uh, There's an appendix that it's worth reading uh, that addresses that and might help you uh, with an understanding of that. But what Paul's basically doing in this passage, and, and that sets the that sets the introduction, is he's drawing a contrast. And it is black and white, it is either or, but I think it helps us work out what walking in the Spirit looks like. Walking in the Spirit involves the growth of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So, you know, love, joy, peace, you've been studying them. So when we're walking in the Spirit... That's part of the Spirit's work in our lives, developing the fruit. But then there's walking in the flesh or walking according to our, our sinful nature. It's the opposite of walking in the Spirit. So if you want to know what walking in the Spirit's not like, it's not like this. Uh, so the contrast is love, joy, peace, all those fruits of the Spirit... Walking in the flesh is jealousy, anger, strife, the list goes on. In fact, there are more of those than there are fruit of the Spirit, so it's a long list. Paul says there's no place in the kingdom of God for these sorts of things. And those who cho choose to live that way, they won't share in the blessings of the kingdom of God. So that's where I thought we would start tonight, just with um, that example from a passage that you know. But there's something else, I think, that helps us understand what walking in the Spirit involves, and, and that's to consider Jesus and the example that he sets. So here's one example where we're told that Jesus was operating in the Holy Spirit, walking in the Holy Spirit, if you like. So at the beginning of Luke chapter 4, uh, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Now, uh, some versions, in fact, several versions don't say in the wilderness there. They say he was led into the wilderness. I actually prefer in. I like this translation. Uh, though it doesn't really make much of a difference in the end, because I think it was probably both. He was led into the wilderness, but he was led in the wilderness during those 40 days um, while he was there. So he returned from the Jordan, that's the Jordan River, and uh, um, you've heard a sermon recently from Johnny about uh, baptism, Jesus' baptism, baptised in the Jordan. This is what happens straight after that. And it's interesting that it happens straight after. Jesus heads off from his baptism um, and is there in the wilderness. Um, at his baptism, of course, the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove, we're told. Uh, but then he goes into the wilderness led by the Spirit during that time. And spent 40 days in the desert, basically. It was a desert just south of Jerusalem beside the Red Sea. And as you know, three major temptations there. And Jesus overcame the three of them. And they were big temptations for Jesus, but he overcame them. How, how was that possible? 
Well, preachers and commentators almost always say, because he knew scripture and was able to quote it back at the devil, Three times Jesus quotes verses back to Satan as he is tempted. And in the, in the end, Satan, the devil, is silenced. And that's what a lot of commentators point to, that that's how Jesus overcame temptation. But I think that's only half the story, and I think I'd probably disagree with that interpretation. Uh, the scribes and Pharisees, for example, they knew lots of Bible verses. They knew whole sections of the Old Testament off by heart but they committed some pretty horrendous mistakes and you might know lots of Bible verses but will it help you fight temptation? Well it may help in fact <laughs> I don't want to discourage you from getting into God's word um, and understanding it and memorizing it in fact I'd encourage it it's something I've done all my life and found helpful but even if you don't know many Bible verses, even if you're only a new Christian or you've never had the opportunity to study the Bible much, you can still overcome temptation. You don't have to know a whole pile of Bible verses to overcome temptation. So how, how do you overcome temptation? Well, how was Jesus able to win the battle against the devil those 40 days in the wilderness? The answer's in that verse. He was led by the Spirit. He was walking in the spirit. And that's what guarantees victory over temptation. Not just knowing stuff with your head, knowing Bible verses, but being led by the spirit, walking in God's spirit. I'm going to go out on a limb here, but let me say it anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm flying out tomorrow for six weeks. Actually, this was supposed to be my last service, but I am coming back. Um, I maybe would have been a little braver if, if this was my last service, but I am coming back, so I've got to be a little bit careful. But, but Baptists strongly affirm the Trinity, don't they? I mean, in fact, I, one of my sermons here was on the Trinity. But I've heard it said that Baptists have the wrong Trinity. Not Father, Son and Holy Spirit, but Father, Son and Holy Scriptures. Ouch. But you know, I think there's probably some truth in that. As I think back about some of the churches in my, uh, some of the Baptist churches in my early life um, and further on as well, the Bible was revered and upheld and honoured and I would say even glorified. There was not much emphasis on the Holy Spirit. I'm very thankful and I praise God for the grounding that I had in Scripture, in Baptist churches growing up, but, but not for the neglect of the Holy Spirit. You know, you're so fortunate here at NVBC that both Scripture and the Holy Spirit are emphasised in a balanced way. And I hope you realise how special that is doesn't always happen maybe it doesn't often even happen in churches but I hope you realize what you have here and that you make the most of it Baptists have been known as the people of the book from the very beginnings you know uh, uh, dating back to the Reformation times and you know that's fantastic 
but not when the Holy Spirit is overlooked. Scripture is very important. Uh, hear me say that. God the Father inspired it. It reveals God the Son. And God the Holy Spirit speaks through Scripture. But the Trinity is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. To be victorious in our Christian walk, we need to walk in the Spirit as Jesus did. This is what happens next after Jesus' victories in the desert. Luke 4, 14 to 15. Jesus returned to Galilee, this time in the power of the Spirit. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. A little bit later in this same chapter, uh, we're told that they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one with authority. 800 years before this, Isaiah had prophesied about the Messiah who would come from the line of David. And this is what he said, uh, Isaiah 11.2. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of knowledge. This sounds pretty much like Jesus to me. Particularly when the people are astounded about his teachings and, and about his authority. See, walking in the spirit is the way of wisdom, of understanding, the way of knowledge. It was for Jesus. And as we walk in the spirit, we too can discover a wisdom that is so far beyond our own limited understanding. The wisdom that comes from God through his spirit. So... After his temptations, um, the Spirit led Jesus into Galilee where he, where he preached in the synagogues. The first of those occasions was at Nazareth and it was on the Sabbath. And he took the scroll of Isaiah and he said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. And the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free and the time of the Lord's favour has come. As I said, he read that from the scroll of Isaiah. But he said it was a prophecy about himself. Here at the very beginning of his public ministry, Jesus is setting out his mission. And it's one that he would later pass on to his disciples and one that would pass on to the church and ultimately to us as part of the church worldwide today. To walk in the spirit like Jesus did, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said. It means we are participating in this good news, in this gospel mission. So let me um, try and give you a summary of where we are so far. Now, this is not a summary that wraps up the sermon. I've got a few more things to say, but this is where we've come so far. Just so I try and make it clear and you, you keep up. Um, walking in the spirit like Jesus equals or means uh, that there is fruit in our lives like there was in Jesus. That there's victory in our lives like there was for Jesus, that we have a wisdom, an understanding, 
like there was for Jesus and that we have a mission that follows on from the mission of Jesus. Now, does that summary look like a little bit of overreach to you? Um, I mean, after all, Jesus was unique, wasn't he? He was special. He was the son of God. How can I make that link between Jesus and us? Surely, you know, that's just not being realistic. We're mere humans. Yes, but we are humans indwelt by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Another name for the Holy Spirit in the Bible is the Spirit of Jesus or the Spirit of God. The Spirit of Jesus is within us supernaturally and walking in the Spirit means we are being transformed into the very image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an ongoing process. It's not going to be complete until we are in heaven with Jesus, but we're being transformed. We're being renewed every day in his image. Now, are you ready for my why did the chicken cross the road joke? Well, here we go. Now, actually, this joke is not my joke. Um, you've been very patient waiting for it, but um, I, do, I do need to let you know, first of all, uh, the background to this joke before I tell it. So I was at Canberra Baptist Church um, before I came here, my previous interim, and the church asked ministers who were associated with the church to answer the question, why did the chicken cross the road? And so they were looking for inspiration from ministers that were connected with the church. Tim Costello said this, or he wrote this and they printed it. And this is not quite the same as Nathan's why did the chicken cross the road? It's not a, not a one-line punch. You, you need to think about it. Uh, Tim Costello said, The question reminds me of a time when I was in Africa on one of World Vision's fact-finding missions. He was the CEO of World Vision uh, at one stage. We were in a village in a war-torn area and there were these muddy chickens all over the road crossing this way and that. I said to the UN official who was guiding us through this dangerous area, why are, there, why are those chickens that are running all over the road covered in mud? And he said, in a place like this, what do you expect? They are dirty double crosses. <laughs> I'm glad I said it wasn't my joke. <laughs> Look, I, I, I think that's on a par with Nathan's jokes, don't you? Yeah, yeah, roughly there. Look, a little more seriously, our previous minister of the church said this, and this is, you'll need to think about this even more. Um, this question is not some disembodied interrogation underlying an individual chicken's story, but my story, our story. A story of personal decisions, actions and choices for us all to make. Now that's a little deep too, isn't it? It's not, that doesn't even attempt to be a joke. But let me just try and deconstruct that for a minute. Jesus often used the image, uh, imagery of shepherd and sheep in his teaching. Uh, he said he was the good shepherd, we're the sheep. Um, Either we're in the fold under his protection or some sheep are lost 
and he comes looking for us. Okay, so you, you know that imagery, and it's fairly common. But did you know that uh, Jesus also said he was the mother hen, and people are like the little chickens that he, he just longs to gather under his wings? Does that... Have you come across that imagery? Uh, well, it's there in the Bible. Have a look in Matthew, Matthew 23, somewhere, somewhere around there. So why did the chicken cross the road? Well, maybe it was a spirit-filled chicken who was walking in the spirit and was led by the spirit to cross the road. Yeah, that's an alternative, isn't it? Or maybe it was walking in the flesh and it was crossing the road when it shouldn't have been crossing the road. That's another alternative. I guess that leads me to ask, what sort of a chicken are you? Why do you cross the road? Because you're walking in the spirit? Or because you're not walking in the spirit? Have a think about that this week. I have a quote for you, and this is my last slide. I could have used it under any of my four points because it relates to all of them, but because of that, I thought I'd finish off with it. It's from Billy Graham. The will of God, and this has meant a lot to me personally over the years. I hope it means something to some others. The will of God will not take us where the grace of God cannot sustain us. So God will never take us into a place that he's not there with us and giving us strength through his Holy Spirit to deal with whatever comes I mean, Jesus proved that in the wilderness, didn't he? Um, if we say he was led into the wilderness and he was tempted there, uh, if that was the will of God that he learned something through that time, uh, he proved that God wouldn't take him where he couldn't be sustained, where walking in the spirit wouldn't get him through. I think that's worth keeping in mind for us. Um, we don't need to be scared of where God might take us as long as we're walking in the Spirit because we know that God, through his Spirit, can sustain us through whatever and wherever he takes us. I'd like to pray for you. Um, as, as I mentioned, this is the last I'll see you for six weeks. But before I... Um, unless I can maybe zoom in from or watch on YouTube from Darwin or something, I don't know, or from Alice Springs or wherever. That's a possibility, I suppose, but face-to-face, -face, last time for six weeks. Uh, so I'd like to pray for you. But before I pray, I'd like to invite you to pray. At that concert I told you about um, uh, with the, the deaf choir, um, I didn't only look up the word for Jesus, the Auslan word for Jesus, um, I looked up three other words and I'm going to invite you to pray using these three words but we'll need to just practice beforehand. Um, so the first word is Holy Spirit and I mean practice with me, this is, this is Auslan, you don't have to say anything, just speak with your hands. Um, so this is the word for the Holy Spirit, I found it interesting. Do that. That's the Holy Spirit. You might like to think about why. Why is that the sign for the Holy Spirit?
lead. I'm going to have to put the mic down to teach you this one. And the last word's easy. You could guess it, me. So now let's pray together. You can keep your eyes open. You're allowed to do that. Um, Follow me as we pray this prayer together. Let's continue in prayer. Holy Spirit, hear our prayer. God, help each one of us to walk in the Spirit as Jesus did. We need your empowering because we can't do it on our own. Amen. The blessing of God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit be on each one of you. Amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.